All right, it is first and Moose, week 14, Connor, Patrick, and Manny. I was telling Patrick before we got on, my days are all off currently. It's uh, it's bad. I had no idea football was on yesterday until like noon. I was like, wow, it's, it's Sunday. And then it's just going to get worse. The holidays are coming. There's going to be NFL on, on Saturday. That always throws me off. I love it. But I, I get confused. Next week we got like two Saturday games, and I, it's gonna throw me in a whirlwind. So kind of embarrassing, but whatever. We could start with the Browns, Ravens. This was kind of I don't want to say the last game for the Browns to stay in the the playoff hunt, but if they lose this game, I mean that makes things significantly harder to make the playoffs. But now this game obviously puts them as the eight seed sitting right outside. And it's still going to be a challenge to get in, but they lost. It was big. Ravens, up and down season thus far, lost two in a row now. Next week against my team, the Packers. How do we see this division shuffling out at the end? Do we still not know? Because, I mean, it seems like they like to change things up. Or are we still thinking this Ravens team, even though with two losses now to inner divisional opponents are are the top dog in the division yeah it's hard to tell really just looking at the standings now the ravens are still top they're eight and five then it's the browns actually seven and six Bengals seven and six and the steelers are six and six and it's just it just seems like nobody wants to win this division at this moment everybody just keeps losing to one of the other teams gets blown up by another team or it's in a it's in a close one till the end, um, like the Steelers and the Ravens were. So it's very tough to tell right now, at least for me, who the top team is. I think, I with the, with the Ravens, I know they're um, they're sitting at the top right now, but it's just tough for me to like back them up now, just because they, they just have so many injuries. It's that it's ridiculous at this point how many people just get hurt for them, and now that. Lamar was hurt um, in the game yesterday. I think it's only a sprained ankle, so there's still a chance that he has to play. But if that's a nagging injury, that's the last thing you want for somebody who runs the ball and makes so many guys miss and so many cuts that he does. If that ankle's bothering him, it's only going to get worse, possibly. Um, and they also still got to play the Steelers again. And the Browns also got to play the Steelers again. So there's still a lot of interdivision games yet to play. Um, but at this point, I think – my best bet for me, I think who will end up taking will probably be the Bengals just because they played very well yesterday. Um, they almost made the comeback, but lost on that drive to the, the 49ers. But I just think even though they have been inconsistent, like the rest of these teams have, I think they're getting, they're playing better at this stage of the season. So that's my pick who, who will end up taking uh, this division. I mean, I agree with Manny. It's really a matter of nobody wants to win. Nobody wants to take this division and win it. I mean, the Ravens have been dealt one of probably one of the worst seasons, I think, that a team's ever endured with injuries. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think they said it wasn't a high ankle sprain, which would have kept him out. Uh, it's just an ankle sprain. So most likely he'll play uh, against the Steelers coming up. But at the same time, I don't. I don't know because, I mean, again, like Manny said, he runs the ball constantly. He's an extremely mobile quarterback. And if you're having, having a nagging injury like an ankle injury will do, 
it's going to limit the effectiveness of your offense. So it's going to be tough for the Ravens. I still think they make it in. I could see them maybe even as a wild card if they, you know, end up losing that first place in the division. I still think they have a good they have a good record, uh, and I think they can end the season maybe like ten and ten and seven, maybe maybe eleven and six, somewhere around that mark. Uh, so I think it's you know there's still a lot of, there's still a couple more weeks in the season. This I don't think this division's going to get you know decided until potentially the last week of the season. But I think with the way the Ravens have their injuries right now and the Steelers, again, they're, you know, they're just, the culture is just not there right now. Um, I think the Browns or the Bengals are going to have the best chance of, of winning this division. Uh, and if I had to choose between those teams, I just have to pick the Browns just because maybe they don't have as dynamic an offense as the Bengals do but they most certainly have the better defense, which, you know, defense will make you win in the playoffs. Focusing on the Browns, obviously they're seven and six. I would say that's below pretty much anyone's expectations going into this year. I think people are kind of all over the place that they would make a, another big jump or they would regress a little bit, but I feel like most people expected them to be better than seven and six. And they could win the division, could be a wild card at this moment. But do you guys think the Browns would be a scary opponent in in the postseason? Because they've got, you know, plenty of talent offensively when if both running backs are healthy and then defense, they have plenty of talent on that side. It just doesn't seem like they've been able to put it all together yet. So if you see the Browns going against your team in the playoffs, are you scared or are you kind of like, hey, this just isn't their year? They haven't figured it out. I'm sort of uh, leaning towards the, like, not being, because um, when we went into the season and previous seasons before with the Browns, I think the biggest thing was, like you said, kind of the talent that they had. And it was ridiculous when you looked at it. They had um, Odell, Jarvis, Chubb, Hunt, and now that Odell's gone, now that Odell's gone and Jarvis is still, obviously Jarvis is still there, but they're kind of relying on other receivers now that mostly on their tight ends, Austin Hooper, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Njuku sometimes. Um, I think it's less scary from that point. And obviously they still have Chubb and Hunt running the ball for them. But I think once you start, once you get into the playoffs, I think more teams I think the games will play out more in that way. I think more teams will try to run the ball and kind of um, play off of that. And I think other teams can match that, especially when you go up against a team like uh, the Patriots, uh, the Titans who could possibly get Derrick Henry back um, in that latter stage. So I think that games will be back and forth. And I think teams will be able to match them running the ball. But when it comes down to it and you have to depend on Baker and those receivers to kind of win you, you games, I think you're, very, you're not really worried at that point point um if you have a defense like the Patriots defense and even uh the Chiefs defense who has been playing a little bit better now I think you're a lot more relaxed knowing that Baker and these receivers who aren't aren't awful for any for, by any means but they're not they don't really scare you as much as other teams do so that's why at this point I don't think the Browns kind of instill that much fear in the other teams compared to the other teams that are in the AFC yeah, I'd say the same thing. I think, you know, the Browns aren't as scary of a team that we thought they were as of last year. 
You know, they made a big step in the first year under Coach Stefanski. Uh, the running game looked good. Passing game looked good. Baker, most importantly, looked like a good quarterback. I think the opposite of this year, I think Baker Mayfield struggled, struggled a lot. And again, you know, there's a lot of questions around, is he really worth a number one overall pick? And I would say no. I don't think he would deserve even a top 10 pick. I don't think he's deserved to live up to those expectations. He's lived up to those expectations yet as a number one pick. And, you know, those are immense expectations. Those are, you know, immense expectations you got to live up to. So anything less than, you know, Super Bowls or MVPs in your first couple of seasons is, you know, a bust, which is fair. So I think that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Browns are really a dangerous team or look scary. You know, they have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but they just haven't those two haven't been able to produce at a level like they did earlier in the season or even last season. So, you know, to answer your question, Connor, I would say that they don't look as scary and, you know, I wouldn't be as worried about them. Obviously, you still have to you know, you got to figure out how you're going to scheme against that defense because when it's when that defense is running well, they're it's a danger. I mean, that's a hard team to score against. I mean, they have a lot of great young talent. Obviously, you have Miles Garrett, who I mean could easily be up for defensive player of the year. I mean, he might he honestly might win it at this point. Uh, I mean, you know, there are parts of this team that would scare me. Uh, if I was a player scouting them, but I think just because that offense is so inconsistent, I would put them on the side of not being as scared and worried as maybe the Patriots or the Titans, like Manny talked about, Derrick Henry scheduled to come back last week against the Texans, I think. Uh, but obviously, you know, at that point, the season's pretty much the season's over. I expect the Titans to win that division too. So I'm going to say that Derrick Henry will come back in the first round of the playoffs. And I think that is very, very scary to a lot of teams. Heading over to the Bills Buccaneers game, probably two bad weeks for the Bills. You know, you dropped two, but for Bills fans, it's got to suck. You lose to Belichick and Brady you still feel kind of owned by both. And now they fall to seven and six with their remaining schedule. They can at least be 10 and six or nine and seven, depending on how that Patriot game uh, unfolds, but they should be able to win. I think it's the Panthers, like the Jets and and the Falcons. And those are games uh, a playoff team should win. And the, the Bills are most likely a playoff team unless they lose those and they probably fall out of the playoffs, to be honest. But this team's unable to run the ball. Obviously, that was a huge story. They ran it seven times, not including um, Josh Allen's rushing uh, attempts and kind of scrambles more than uh, rushes, to be honest. And it's it's becoming an issue. And do we think this is a fixable thing? Do we think they should just go all in, kind of like they did yesterday? They ended up losing in a very close game. But they went all in and say, hey, our strength is passing. We're just going to pass. We'll forget about the run game. Or do you guys lean towards the side of they need to figure out the run game or should they just give up on it completely? Um, I th- well, first, I, I think uh, I'd like to give credit to, to McDermott and just that offensive court and their offensive coordinator for 
um, just deciding to kind of abandon the run game, the traditional run game a little bit and kind of just run it with their quarterback most of the time. I feel like a lot of teams wouldn't do that. They would still force the ball to their running backs, even though it's not um, improving. But credit to them for just going with him because he's a great runner, uh, an underrated runner. I think a lot of people, he's very athletic and can and did very well yesterday rush for over a hundred yards. So that was good for them. But again, I still lean towards more that um they have to try and figure something out with um with some one of their running backs at least because Devin Singletary had four carries and Matt Breida had three. So and compared to Josh Allen's 12. So I think that just has to be fixed at some point. Um I know the offensive line might not be the best probably at run blocking at least. Um but even still like if you just gotta have the defense thinking about that another potential threat that you could offer that defense, because if they know you're going to run it with either, if they know Josh Allen is going to keep the ball hundred percent of the time, either running it or throwing it, it makes, it makes their plan a lot easier and it makes um, the offensive job a lot tougher just because again, um, from one side, you're putting Josh Allen at a risk of always being uh, at a risk of getting hit if he's running or just sitting back there and getting sacked. So I think that's one thing. And just, again, we've talked about it already with these playoff teams. You have the Titans, the Patriots, um, the Chiefs, and even the Chargers uh, all have pretty decent to great running backs. So if you're not going toe-to-toe with them, I think they'll easily um, take over the game. Like we saw the Bills get taken over by the Patriots just a week ago when the Patriots have to throw it, um, just run it. So I think that doesn't really play in their favor. Um, against just the way that the playoffs are lining up right now. So I think they have to do something to um, maybe change their scheme or something, come up with new plays, because if they don't get it fixed, I think they'll just end up uh, getting dominated and, again, running out of time like they did yesterday. I think it's a bit of a, you know, it's a point in the season where the Bills really have to figure out what kind of team this wants to be. This is a playoff team. They have the talent on defense. They have the talent on offense. You obviously have Josh Allen as your leader, your quarterback, the core of this team. However, if the man can't stay in the pocket or stay up for more than you know two seconds, there's a massive issue, and that's the offensive line. I think if this offensive line is not going to be able – if they can't help out Josh Allen to allow some of those receivers like a Stephon Diggs – being able to let him go long and get like a, get a deep ball. This team is going to turn into a short passing team, which is not a bad thing. You can make that work, you know, with short, with slants and, you know, drags or whatever and fades, you can make that work, but you still need to be able to run the ball, which is something that the bills didn't do at all in the first half. Literally there is no running, no snaps, no handoffs to any running backs at all. That's a huge, huge issue that I don't know if that's game planning or that's just how the game, that's just how the game went or whatever, who knows, but you can't not run the ball because that just allows defenses to be able to throw one or two extra defensive backs. And then you're just completely, your wide receivers are swallowed up. Your running backs can't get anywhere and your tight ends aren't able to break out and get a 20 yard gain. So I think this is, this is the point where this in the season where the bills really have to take a hard look at themselves and say, we need to figure this out because they still have the Patriots. You know, they could still win the division, end up as a top four seed, uh, probably going to be like a three or a four most likely. 
uh, and get a fit and get a home matchup. I think that's the biggest thing. If they're able to get, you know, a, if they're able to, what's the word? If they're able to get home field advantage for their first game, that's a huge, huge win for the Bills uh, before the game even starts because of that atmosphere in Buffalo. So I think the Bills really have to take a hard look at themselves and kind of figure out what they're going to do. For the Bucs, I mean, they're again, we know the type of talent that they have. We see it every game on defense, on offense. This is the pretty much a very identical team to the teams that made that that won the Super Bowl last year. I don't really know if there's anyone missing from that team off the top of my head. So I think this team, again, the Bucs should compete for a Super Bowl again this year. I'd be surprised if they didn't. But at the same time, the way that their defense just completely shut down, allowing the Bills to come back from a 24-3 deficit is embarrassing. And to and really to put it, you know, put it directly, it's a bit scary for Bucks fans because you can't allow teams to be able to come back from that type of deficit. You know, if you're down 28-14, you know, that's all right. Like that's okay. I understand that. But 24 to 3 where the Bills didn't run the ball at all in the first half, and then all of a sudden they go in the OT, that's not good. You can't do that as a team, as a defense. It's just not helpful at all. So I think the Bucs are in a much better position right now than the, than the Bills. But both of these teams, I would say the Bucs are a little bit more farther along with just talent being able to make it to the Super Bowl. But the Bills still have a great defense, a good offense, and I think they have a good coach in Sean McDermott. So I think both of these teams are at a point in their season where they got to make sure they find their identity and just work out the kinks and issues now so that when they get into the playoffs, they're on the right momentum, they're on the right foot, and they're able to win games that they're, that they're supposed to win. The, the Bucks do scare me just because – well, I don't really enjoy talking about them because they, they could win the Super Bowl again. That's, that's a little bit obnoxious when you think about it with Brady getting another Super Bowl. I, I, I just don't want to see it. I would preferably not go down that path again. But it seems like, you know, obviously you don't want them to come back in that game yesterday. But when they're clicking, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And um, it, it just doesn't doesn't sound good to be honest for for Brady to get another Super Bowl ring but it's it's probable and it it looks like there's a good shot if if they uh they can finish the season strong for sure and get hot in the playoffs again but looking at another overtime game 49ers versus the the Bengals and both these teams are kind of Bubble teams, they both need the win. I would say San Fran probably needed a little bit more yesterday than than the Bengals, but both are in, in the neck of things, and neither team needs to lose this game, to be honest. Uh, but Manny, what were what were some big takeaways from this game? Are we are we thinking this 49ers team is headed in the right direction at seven and six and possibly squeaking into the playoffs? Because they've they've kind of been up and down all season. Then I would say the, the Bengals started very hot and then just seems like have struggled to find that that beginning uh spurt that uh was so good at the uh beginning of the year i think it's just well the one thing i took away from it it's just from the Bengals' point of view it's 
that they have they have definitely all the talent that they need to at least make the make the playoffs. But I don't know. It's just unfortunate circumstances that they put themselves in. Just mistakes sometimes that they make during the games that just cost them against um, the biggest of teams. Um, but then sometimes when they don't make those mistakes or when everything's clicking for them, they look um, like they could go toe to toe with any offense. Um, especially when you have Joe Burrow who's playing great. Uh, Joe Mixon, who has managed to stay healthy um, this whole season, which was one of his uh, one of the bad things about him that you always just get hurt and be bothered by an ankle injury or something like that. But he's been able to stay healthy and help them a lot. And you, enough has been said about Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that um, even their tight end C.J. Usama is this. Joe, their offense is pretty well built, and I think can go toe to toe with really anybody. But it's, again, it's just those mental mistakes that they make sometimes where Joe Burrow might hold on to the ball a little bit too long and get a sack, which was the case a, a couple of times last last night uh, where he got sacked and put him at a field goal position or just put him in bad situations where they had to throw out of a third and 15, third and 20. So you can't make those mistakes, especially when you're seven and six and every other team in your division um, is right there with you, like a half a game up or a half a game back. Um and in terms of the 49ers, I think it's similarly in the same way where if Jimmy more more honed in on Jimmy G, where if he's playing well and he and he's not the one um, kind of losing you games or making the mistakes, I think they'll be all right. Um, they definitely still got a shot at it. Just looking at the NFC, the top teams are pretty much set, but then you have the teams that are kind of vying for that spot. Washington is still six and seven at that seventh spot, and then the 49ers have managed to put themselves in the sixth spot. Um, so I think if they keep playing well and it only, it only helps that George Kittle is finally playing like the player. I think everybody expects him to be, um, if he can continue that, um, I think they'll be in a great spot. It just gives Jimmy G that safe option that he needs. Debo Samuel has been playing great for them, has had a breakout season. So I think, I think they'll be okay going forward, but um, that deep on the defensive side of the boys were on really concerned the most with them just because other than Josh Norman I, I can't really name another person on that secondary that kind of instills some sort of worry um and their defensive line is obviously very well built but again going up against guys that run around can extend plays Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers Kyler Murray I think they will struggle but right now I think they're looking good and I think if they can hold on and get maybe one or two more wins they'll be looking good to at least make the playoffs uh, for sure yeah, I think the the Fort or excuse me, the Bengals' best opportunity for them to make it into the playoffs now is to win the AFC North. I think they'd have a very hard time being able to make it into the playoffs via wild card. I think the wild card teams that are in the AFC already are going to be tough. I mean, you look at it; the Colts are a potential dark horse. I still think they're a good team. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched Hard Knocks at all, but that's a team that really is, I think that's a scary team if they play well. I think the Holds are a good team. I think they may snatch up one of those wild card spots. And really, whoever doesn't win the AFC East is going to be the top seat, is going to be the top wild card. So that leaves one spot left in AFC, and the Bengals are ninth now in the conference standing, so that's not helping them whatsoever. So I think their best opportunity is to win – you know, in the, I think it's 
it's probably best for them to win to AFC North and just win and hope to God they win out. Uh, again, like Manny talked about, we know what we're going to get from Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon. Those are your stars of the offense. Uh, I think the big thing that they missed yesterday was Trey Hendrickson. They were not able to get very much pressure at all on the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought Garoppolo had a good game. I thought, you know, the 49ers are a team that obviously is not the same team we saw a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think George Kittle is still one of the best type. I think he's probably top three, maybe top two tight ends uh, in the entire NFL. Brandon Ayuk, I still think, is a great wide receiver. Um, I think he's getting better and better as he gets more playing time. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the 49ers are a team that are probably going to sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. That will mean three wild card spots or three wild card spots, three wild Three playoff spots will be going to the AFC West with, you know, the Cardinals getting the top seed and the Rams and the 49ers potentially getting a top two wild cards as well. So that is going to be a very interesting fight down the stretch for that final wild card spot, whoever that may be. But I think the Bengals best chance for them right now with the way that the record is and the schedule, they just have to be able to win the AFC North. Otherwise, they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, and they're not going to have – I mean, the first round for this draft, I don't know you if you guys have really taken a look at it. It's pretty stacked. There's a lot of great players uh, in this draft. I think, you know, there's potentially – I would say that first and second round, there's a lot of players that are going to make immediate impacts on their team. So, obviously, you're going to want to be higher in the draft to get the higher impact players, but you can always find good players – later in the first round and even the second round. I mean, Lamar was the 32nd pick in the first round. So I think for the Bengals, it's going to be a matter of if they don't win out, they will not make the playoffs. I think that's just cut and dry as it is. I think for the 49ers, again, it, I don't know what they're trying to do with Trey Lance. I think if you're going to – if he's your future, you got to start him soon. And I would not recommend starting him, you know, for the first time – in the playoffs, that just would be a death sentence for him and it would kill his confidence. So if you're going to start Trey Lance, I would start doing it now, starting next week. So you can try and build some type of confidence, you know, going into a, a playoff where it's going to be competitive. I mean, that AFC is going to be, you kind of, you kind of know where everyone's going to end up um, for the most part, but for, you know, the NFC, it's still pretty much real. It's really up in the air. Like there's besides probably the top two or three seeds, I'd say it's really still up in the air. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for the NFC teams that are still in the hunt, the Eagles, the football team, the Vikings, uh, the 49ers, the Rams, even those are, you know, teams that still, it could still shift around and it won't be, I don't think it's going to be completely settled until the last week of the season. So I think it's both of these teams are on a good track, but I think the 49ers just with the way they've played so far this season, I think they're at a much better point uh, of going into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. Jumping back all the way to Thursday, Vikings, Steelers. Sorry, Manny, to bring this up, but very good game, very odd game, at least 
interesting towards the end, obviously, uh, Claypool is, is getting a bunch of flack on social media and stuff. But at one point, Steelers down 29 to zero. Was was the TV turned off at that point, Manny? Did you did you keep on watching, or are you like, all right, I'm I'm gonna do something else now? Yeah, I can confirm the TV was turned off for much of that third quarter. Um, but I again, I, I was doing something else, and then my roommate came in and told me that the Steelers were within like two scores. So I turned the TV back on, saw KJ. So that didn't help. Uh, but again, I just the biggest thing with the Steelers team, I, I hate watching the Steelers recently just because they give you no hope that they look like a like a bottom tier team the first half. And then they turn, they switch everything around and make it a comeback at the end, which is the worst thing as a fan watching because they tease you with this hope that they're going to win. That there might be a chance that they come back and then they still end up losing. Um, even still, we're six and six. I don't have the greatest optimism that we might. Uh, even have a shot at it. I mean, we play in the uh, we play in the Titans this week, uh, which is a huge game for them and us if we were to somehow beat them. But even so, we still have the Browns, the Ravens, and the Chiefs after that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out for us. Our, de- our defense, we didn't have a defense the first half of that Vikings game. They just We just decided to send nobody out there. It seemed the way Dalvin Cook was running. So that obviously has to change. Um, especially against a team like the Titans, the Chiefs, again, the Ravens. Um, but somehow, by some miracle, if we, I think, end up winning two of those games, I think, again, the Steelers will probably give me some false hope that they'll end up making the playoffs and still botch that opportunity. So um, these next couple of weeks will, kind of, will probably be a very, very rough for me watching this team. But I don't know what I'm vying for right now, for them to completely miss the playoffs and have a good spot in the draft or seeing them play out a couple more more games with Ben, which will, which this will probably be his last season. Yeah, it's turning into a really it's turning into a bad farewell season for Ben Roethlisberger. I do feel for him, honestly. Uh, I don't. God, that's a tough question. Now I think about it, if he'll be a first ballot, I don't know. I really don't know. Because he had an impressive, what, how many years has he been playing, Manny? Like 18 years, 19 years now? Yeah. So I would say the first, you know, 10, 11, 12 seasons of his career were pretty good. Now, granted, the, the Steelers had probably arguably the best defense, I mean, during that time, every single year. Yeah, Troy Palomalu, Cam Hayward was really just starting in the league and was dominant. Uh, Ryan Clark as well. Um, I honestly, that's all I can literally remember. But all you have to have is Palomalu, and I think that's, you know, good enough. So I think with the way that the season's going for the Steelers, I think they really need to take a – again, much like the Bengals, they really got to take a hard look at themselves in the mirror and say, is this a team we want? And it's not. It's not at all. This team's completely fallen apart. I mean, you had Chase Claypool, who was the opposite of Juju last year. All of a sudden, he can't get out of his – I mean, you know you know what I'm going to say, but I can't say it. Uh, it. It just – he looks so immature in the go-wrong with Brian Clark. He just doesn't look like a football player. He does not. He looks super immature. 
He doesn't have the right mental capacity for football right now. What he did is pretty embarrassing and childlike, to be completely honest. That's a play that someone like Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know if you guys ever saw the video of him where he ran back to the line of scrimmage to stop the ball, to get the ball to the line of scrimmage and to spike it. Chase Claypool, it seemed like he just really cared about his own personal self and not about the team. I think that's, again, immature, and it's really – I don't know how else to put it. He just was only there for his own gain. When – if he had ran back to that line, they could have gotten another playoff easily. I still think that pass at the end to Fryermuth was a great play – but there's just no chance that the, that Fryermuth was going to be able to catch that ball with Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks literally sandwiching him. There was no chance. If he had gotten that ball and caught it, I think that would have been the absolute miracle of God if he had gotten that. But he didn't. And it's because of Chase Claypool not allowing them to get another playoff. So, I think that Claypool, uh, the biggest one of all, has to look in the mirror and say, I can't do that. If I can't, you know, work for this team or the Steelers organization, I have to get out. I need to find a new team, a fresh start. I think that if he's not able to do that, I think Mike Tomlin's kind of at his breaking point with Chase Claypool at this point where he just wants to get him out. I like Najee Harris. Najee Harris is a great example of what you should be as a football player, uh, I think he's, you know, great person off the field. He's a great player on the field. And I think he kind of exemplifies what the Steelers want in their players, that kind of physical, gritty, you know, I'm going to do whatever for this team. I think I think Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster are not those players for the Steelers. As good of players they might be, they're not the right type of players that the Steelers want or really any team would want as well. So, I think, you know, the Steelers are kind of stuck in a quandary right now where they don't know what they're going to be. I really don't think they do. And with the Vikings, too, you know, I don't know where they want to be with this team. I mean, they played a great game. I'd say they played I'd say they played pretty well against the Steelers. But then again, the Steelers are the Steelers and they haven't played well that at all a majority of this season. So, you know, great on the Vikings for winning. And keeping in that playoff hunt again, they're looking, they're trying to get for that what that last wild card with the football team and the Eagles right now. So I think Kirk Cousins, again, we know who he is. I think they just need to move on from him after his contract. They need to find a quarterback, maybe not in this draft, uh, but potentially next season. I would say that's a pretty there's probably going to be a couple of good quarterbacks in there. Uh, that'll probably be better fitted for the Viking for the Vikings. So yeah, they have good young talent, but they also have to rebuild. I mean, I've mentioned it throughout the season. The Vikings are getting older. Everson Griffin's now 30. Daniil Hunter's closer is getting closer and closer to the wrong side of 30. Kirk Cousins is, you know, check is Mr. Checkdown himself and really just an average, average quarterback. You don't want to waste Justin Jefferson's career. You know, as an Eagles fan who's wasted a lot of good potential, don't waste Justin Jefferson's career. Uh, you just, you can't afford, if you, if you cannot give him the career that I think he deserves, you need to find another place for him to go and get some picks in return to start rebuilding that Vikings organization. Cause they're getting older. And it's not like they're getting much better, younger players at this point. 
Any response to that, Manny? There's a lot of talk about Claypool and, and other receivers. I was wondering as a Steelers fan and how you feel about Claypool uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, like, for, plainly football aspect, I think he's one of – he's built ideally – Anybody would want him ideally if he was built like that. I think he's like six four, two two hundred something pounds. Physically, he's everything you'd want in a receiver. He had a great game um, against the Vikings. He had almost hundred yards receiving. He had like seven receptions. He moved. He helped move the ball a lot down the field um, in that last run. And then came that last play. It's just, I think, going off of what Patrick said, these players like Juju Smith, Schuster, and Claypool, and other players on other teams, I'm sure, also make um, videos on TikTok or whatever. Probably not as much as um, those two, but even so, it almost seems like like everything that they do is almost like football is like another hobby to them a little bit. They don't really take it seriously as their job, which is, again, hurting the team when every game up, uh, up until the end now matters extremely matters and it's extremely important and you can't have plays like that where you want to celebrate a first down um on a on just another play that just keep you going if you were to celebrate like that for the touch on the tie of the game i have no problem with that at all he could do whatever he wants but when we're trying to score and you're doing stuff to waste precious seconds off the clock and i really take accountability for it afterwards when they ask you about it it's it's just hard to watch it's hard to um, root for him. It's hard to back him up and kind of vouch for him when it just it when he's just constantly doing stuff like that. So I hope, um, and even Mike Tomlin benched him during some parts of that game because of stuff like that um, with the taunting call too. So um, he's got to he's got to get over this and kind of take himself and his team more seriously because it's it's these last couple of games are Big Ben's last couple of seasons. So I think. If anything, he has to play it for Ben, and for that reason, he should take it more seriously. All right, moving forward, Urban Meyer. I don't know if you guys love him or not. I think most people either probably are all in on the guy or all out. I guess there are some people that are kind of in between, but he, uh, I would say, causes chaos wherever he goes. I feel like that's a fair thing to say. He does win generally hasn't thus far in the NFL, but previous stops, he has won. You have to give him that, even though if you don't agree with the way he goes about it, but there are some reports about him questioning assistants, calling them losers and asking them to defend their resumes and that he's a winner, but everyone around him is a loser. And, you know, Twitter had a, a filled day with that. because I mean, jokes write themselves when, uh, write themselves when you say stuff like that to to people and my main question right here is will urban meyer be the jacksonville jaguars coach next season yeah i don't think there's any chance he will be um i think they'll probably end up firing him as soon as the season ends really um it's just crazy the stuff you hear um coming out of that locker room and out of that organization that involves him um whenever your season starts with the the videos of him in the club it's it's never really gonna go well from that point you can't really improve from that and again once that happened I thought the players as bad as it was I thought the players would still kind of like not write it off but they'd still kind of get behind them a little bit but it, it seemed ever since that point that the players and the organization just lost confidence from them and 
from to paraphrase a little bit, some of the quotes they said was that they had to re that he had to re earn their trust and their confidence in him. And obviously, one thing that kind of masks everything is if you're winning games and the team's playing well, um, those kind of stuff kind of not be not get forgotten about, but they're kind of just talked about much less than they are right now. But it uh, definitely doesn't help that they're losing badly every game. They're not playing well at all. Trevor Lawrence doesn't really seem to be improving at all um, throughout as the season goes on. And it's just it just gets worse and worse for him. Um, he's having incidents with um, Marvin Marvin Jones. It seems um, he completely denied them, obviously, but you you never know. It's just everything just seems to be going wrong for him. And again, it's probably another reason why guys like Urban Meyer and guys like Nick Saban even don't really college that long in the NFL because it's it's a different game it's a different kind of environment with these NFL teams it's a lot more professional and when you have incidents like I mentioned um, with him throughout the season it's just really hard to kind of get your players most importantly to kind of back you up and kind of vouch for you and defend you especially if you're losing so um, I think they won't fire him in the next couple games just because I think they'll let him um, play out this season but uh, I don't think there's there's really no doubt in my mind that after the season's over I think they're going to have to fire him just because they have a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. They need, they need to get somebody in there that will improve him and kind of develop him because it's, it's evident that Urban Meyer is definitely not the person to do that for, for him. Yeah. I predicted this at the beginning of the season. I didn't think Urban Meyer was going to make it to the end of the season. I still think that holds true. I feel like he's going to get fired maybe the penultimate week. So what, two weeks away, three weeks away now. Um, so I predict most likely before the last game of the season, Urban Meyer will be fired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think with the way this team just needs to rebuild. I mean, again, like Manny talked about, Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent and he just cannot improve under Urban Meyer's system or lack thereof. I don't think there really is a system. I don't know if you guys saw the newest quote today from Urban Meyer um, about Andre Sisco, the safety from Syracuse. That's awful. He doesn't even know his own players. I don't know if you saw this, if you saw this too, Connor, but they said uh, they, Urban Meyer was asked about Andre Sisco um, and his playing time not being as much. And Urban Meyer said, well, you know, we've been trying to get him in uh, a couple more a couple more snaps every week, try to give him up to game speed. He didn't play at all yesterday. He had zero defensive snaps. He has not played in like two games or three games now. He doesn't even know who his own players are. You know how bad that is? That's just awful. Like to not even know who your own players are. Like, yeah, he's definitely, you know, we've been getting him in more, more, more time. He hasn't played at all. Yeah, I was talking about someone else. Yeah, like that's bad. That's really bad. And I think that, again, like Manny talked about, it further proves that there are just some coaches who need to stay in college and there are some coaches who just need to stay in the NFL and they can't mesh. There are some coaches that can do it. You know, Jim Harbaugh went from what? He went from NFL to college and it took him a while, but I would say he's building a good team. I would say with Nick Saban, yeah, obviously that's your OG kind of NFL to college or college to NFL back to college. 
uh, or Urban Meyer. I don't think that Urban Meyer is an NFL coach. I really don't think so. I think he's first off a really just an awful person. I don't really think he's that good of a person. Uh, and I don't think that I would, if I ever played for him, I don't think I would respect him as a coach. I really, I don't, I could not see myself playing for him. Uh, and obviously that's different than in the NFL, you get paid. So you kind of, you know, wherever you get the most money, yeah, I'll do it. Fine. Money's money. Uh, but I just wouldn't want to play for him. I don't know. I don't really know how any of the players on the team really want to play for him, especially someone like Trevor Lawrence, who, I mean, we don't want to see him get his career wasted by Jacksonville. We really don't. And he deserves to be on a team where he's going to be able to improve and develop as a quarterback and potentially turn into a great one because he has the potential, he has the skills, and he has the resume to show that he is a good quarterback. So I don't think right now with Urban Meyer, I don't think he makes it to the end of the season. If he makes it, to the end of the season and they fire him after, I think that's a miracle. I think the scariest part about this is too, is that their owner has not even thought about firing Urban Meyer. So I don't know if that's just smoke and mirrors or whatever, but if he's seriously not considering or firing Urban Meyer, that's a massive red flag. Like very much, that's scary. Because if that's true, and Urban Meyer comes back to coach as the Jaguars next year, if I'm any player on that team, a Miles Jack, a Trevor Lawrence, a Marvin Jones Jr., I'm telling my agent, get me out of here. Just get me as far away as possible away from Urban Meyer, because this man is going to harm the development of my career, especially for those young players like Trevor Lawrence, get out while you can, especially if Urban Meyer, by all God, a miracle is still the coach of the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars next season. If that happens, expect a mass exodus of players leaving the, leaving the Jaguars. Looking forward to tonight, Cardinals, Rams, another big, Monday night football game. Rams, I would say a little bit maybe below expectations, maybe a tiny bit. I mean, 8-4 is still a great record. They're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to be a team you really want to face in the playoffs because they're QB, because they're defense, and obviously because Sean McVay is a great offensive-minded coach. But I would say it's – I don't want to say disappointing, but I think going into the season, a lot of people thought that the Rams were NFC championship team and possibly a Super Bowl team, and they've continued to make moves for that, as we've talked about plenty of times. Then on the Cardinal side, they've kind of outperformed many people's expectations. I don't think a lot of people would say they would be the 10-2 and two in the one seed at this point. Obviously, there are some people that are really high in the Cardinals, but I don't think – it was the majority of people who watched the NFL thought this, but we're heading into a really good matchup, a matchup that matters with seeding, home field advantage. Obviously, the one seed only gets the bye nowadays. But heading into this game, what are some factors you're watching for and who do you expect to win? Um, well, um, like you told us before, Connor, um, a big blow for the Rams not having Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby. Um, playing in this game because of COVID. Um, I can only imagine how they feel. Probably They probably only just learned about this today. So they have to scrap their whatever game plan that they had and kind of 
readjust around that. But um, one of the big things I'm really watching for it is, is obviously, I mean, because of the news, I think the Cardinals um, are going to win. I, th- I picked them to win, but I thought it was going to be way closer. But now that those two players are, I think they'll definitely win. I think it's also in Arizona this time around, and they beat them at SoFi before. So I think they should get this win. And uh, on the Cardinals side of things, um, they have a pretty – uh, tough rest of the schedule and starting with this game I thought initially it was in danger of them losing but now I think they're obviously going to get the win next week they have the Lions which should obviously be a win and then they have the Colts and the Cowboys um, which could be a playoff match and the Seahawks so um, not writing off the Seahawks yet just because it's a divisional game anything could really happen the Colts are playing very well tough team and the Cowboys can offensively go toe-to-toe with anybody I think um, on their best on their day so um, those are three matchups that are kind of you could slip up and lose one game and kind of be tied with Green Bay um, and actually be moved to the second spot instead of the one and give Green Bay that number one spot so um, that's something to look forward to for the Cardinals not really to drop off their play because they still got a pretty tough schedule remaining if they want to uh, get that once you would would be a huge advantage for for them um, making a playoff return, being that one seed. And in terms of the Rams, similarly with schedule and records, they're, they're right now the five seed sitting at eight and four. And if, and if they were to lose this game, they'd be obviously eight and five. One game, uh, only one game up over the, the 49ers, which are the six, which is which are right below them at the six seed. So um, it might not seem like a big difference, if they were to, if the place were to start right now, the Rams would be playing the Cowboys. Um, but if they were to drop one spot down to the 49ers spot, they'd be playing uh, the Bucks. So again, it's uh, very different teams there. I'd much rather be playing the Cowboys than the Buccaneers in the playoffs. So um, the Rams can't can't really slip up much more either, um, because again, that one spot in uh, seating can really make a difference for how far they go. And if they were to play the Bucks and lose in the first round, I think um, everybody will go back to that decision they made to trade for Matt Stafford, trade away, or trade for Von Miller and and Odell too. It'll be just be blown up way out of proportion, and everybody will question McVay, that office, and the decisions they made because they gave up a lot of draft picks, and they're really much stuck with this team going forward. So the this last stretch for both teams, for different reasons, is very important. But uh, unfortunately, I think the Rams will lose tonight, and the Cardinals will will win and make or be 11 and two. I think it's going to be the exact same. Like you said, Manny, I think the Cardinals will win this game. I think them missing Jalen Ramsey is going to be a huge loss. Uh, Obviously Jalen Ramsey would have been on D hop and that would have been a great matchup throughout the game. Now you lose arguably the the top defensive player or one of the top defensive players in the entire NFL and arguably the top cornerback against the team who by all accounts is riding extremely high, well above expectations. I think this Cardinals team, again, you get back Kyler Murray and D hop uh, last week and they played great. I'd expect the same exact thing tonight. The Rams, as much as they have tried to acquire talent, it's not like they've completely overperformed expectations. I would say that, you know, the Rams really have underperformed. I think they should be in the right. Ra- I think they should be where the Cardinals are at right now. But I think the main thing holding them back is Matthew Stafford has just not been playing exceptional. 
were just playing good at all the last couple of weeks. And he's really struggled with a lot of his passing and just being able to make good decisions, throwing the ball downfield. He's struggled a lot. And I think we're going to see that again tonight against this Cardinals team who the offense, we know they're good. They're going to, they're going to put up points, you know, whether that's throwing the ball, running the ball, whatever, that defense is still really, really good. I think JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, as old as they are, they're still very, very good defensive ends. I mean, they're dangerous uh, and they require at least a double team majority of the time. And that frees up, you know, in Isaiah Simmons, you know, and maybe I don't even know, I forget who else is on the Cardinals defense, to be honest, but you know, the Cardinals defense is good. There's a reason they're 11 2 I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one just because when you lose Higby, who is a safety valve for Matthew Stafford, and you lose Jalen Ramsey, who is your top player besides Aaron Donald, it's probably not going to end up well. Cardinals win this one. They take the division. I think the Rams are still going to be a top wild card seed, but Matthew Stafford really has to get, get it going fast. Otherwise, this team's going to be a first-round exit. I'm going with the Cardinals as well. I don't think it'll be uh, the first match between this team in, uh, I believe it was week four, and it was 37 to 20, pretty much a complete domination. I don't expect that again. I think it could inflate a little bit, but that's a, that's a pretty big win, to be honest. I think the, the Rams are should be angry about that first showing, and they should come out a little bit stronger. But like you guys are saying, I mean, those are two big losses tonight and going against a Cardinals team that's just been hot all year. And it looks like, you know, they're going to continue hot tonight at home. But that's going to wrap it up for our week 14 recap and a preview of Monday Night Football. It's been first and Moose presented by United to the Moose with Connor, Patrick and Mandy. Thank you for listening as always. <laughs>